Imagine walking into your local branch to do your banking, whether it's to make a deposit or make a withdrawal, and they tell you, we're sorry, but your money is no longer good here. We've decided to close down your account. We've got a message here to flag you and to no longer do business. Then when you ask the bank what for, they tell you, well, you're a risk to the bank, but they can't define what that risk is. You're also a firearms dealer, which is something that's protected by the Second Amendment. Perhaps my listeners have never heard of Operation Chokepoint. Operation Chokepoint was started underneath the Obama administration between the FDIC and the DOJ. Since about November of 2022, it's been reinvigorated under Joe Biden. My guest today just ran into this exact scenario. He went into his local Wells Fargo and found out that his account has been shuttered. Wells Fargo has not given any reason outside of that there may be some type of risk to the bank. This sounds a lot like Operation Chokepoint, where they state it's a reputational risk for the financial institution to be associated with a firearms dealer. This is a big story, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to want to hear it because it's going to go all the way down to digital currency and our trust in banking. Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened with Greg Bolden. Today, I have a special guest for you all. It's one of the, I believe, largest stories that maybe you have not heard yet. We're going to start off for Monday with Brandon Wexler. Now, Brandon Wexler had Wells Fargo abruptly end his business uh, as far as the bank accounts go. And he is a well-known gun dealer down in Delray Beach, Florida, uh, called Wex Gunworks. So, Brandon, I'd like to welcome you to the show. How are you doing today? Good, Greg. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, thanks. So, this this is not something that's new. I've, I've been trying to research your situation, and the first thing that I found was back during the Obama administration in 2013, he started off uh, Operation Chokepoint, which worked with the banks, the major banks, in order to end lending to uh, owners that could be at risk. And they really went after uh, federal firearms dealers, FFLs. And here we are in 2023. And let's let's start off with, you know, when do you find out Wells Fargo says, we're going to pull all of your financing? Okay, so... I had uh, I had gone into the bank routine. I go in daily. Uh, I'm sorry, not daily. Uh, weekly, our business, like any business, operates transactions are going to be merchant service, i.e., credit cards. Sometimes people will give you checks, um, kind of an old school method, but but it happens, and we we get cash. So any transaction that comes through, <clears throat> we transact. The you know the actual transaction goes down, sales tax is collected, we pay sales tax at the end of the month. Well, we have cash. I have to put that cash in my bank account and I have to pay sales tax on it, not a problem. 
So once a week, I go in my local Wells Fargo branch um, and make a cash deposit. Been with uh, doing that for 14 years uh, at this at this location in Delray Beach, Florida. And I went into the bank, um, uh, let's call it about a few weeks ago. And the ladies there, the tellers, we always talk, we joke around. I go to make a deposit and tell her, the teller says to me, she looks at me kind of shocked. And she goes, I think your account is being closed down. So I initially thought that they were kidding around with me because we like to banter back and forth and, and have fun. And she goes, no, I'm being serious. So the banker there, she goes, let me get the banker who I know personally there. He comes and he talks to me. He goes, listen, I don't have any information. I don't know what's going on. Your, your accounts are open. I don't know anything, but you need to call this customer service number at Wells Fargo. So, you know, at that moment, your, your world is turned upside down because everything you do is any transaction you do, you need a bank. You need a bank to transact. You can transact. Right. You're, you don't, you no longer have a business. So it, I call the, and I don't want you, I, I don't, I don't want you to name any other banks because of your privacy, but were you banking with any other bank? Was everything tied up in Wells Never. Fargo? Okay. okay so I everything's was, tied up in yes, Wells Fargo. Correct. Now, okay. now to, okay. to, to kind of put a note on that, I am, or I was a Wells Fargo customer for 25 years, personally. The business, Wex Gunworks in Delray Beach, Florida, was a customer of Wells Fargo, tied in with my, my personal accounts for 14 years. So there's a long history. There is no problems. Sure. Um, normal transactions, nothing, nothing abnormal. So I, I call the Wells Fargo customer service number. She said, sir, let me place you on a hold uh, with them. So they place me on a hold. She comes back a few minutes later. She goes, sir, this is what I have to tell you. Your business account, your personal account, your joint account. Uh, I've been divorced for some time now with my, with my ex-wife, and you have a small credit line. Are all being closed? Not just your business. And I said, "What are you What are you talking about?" You know, like shocked. I am, you know, like a hammer's come down on your head. Totally shocked. And I said, "I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Is there a mistake?" Right. She said, "No." And I said, "What is the reason for this?" And she said, this is, it, it, it is a business decision by Wells Fargo. And that's all we have to tell you. That's it. There's basically, there's no other conversations. We're going to send you a letter in the mail. Now I have online banking. There's no alerts. There's no anything transaction. There's a lot of trans. I have to pay my distributors for my inventory. There's bills going, your life is tied to bank accounts. You know, you, right. you, everything from your personal cable bill to the business transactions that go daily. So um, I, I was shocked. Um, uh, I initially reached out to my friends at the NSSF who we've dealt with for quite some time and, and told them and, and they more or less told me that this is, a, you know, going back to that operation choke point that you had mentioned, it's, it's becoming a trend and they're trying to write uh, legislation, which we can go into later. So I got a letter, um, I would say within a week later, um, pretty much just said it's a business decision. And another letter referenced that is, is out there media wise has it at this point. Um, they do not lend to certain types of businesses. 
mm-hmm. which, okay, that's, it's pretty clear. So without, without them saying it, um, so you, just a shock. Now they said in the letters they have, you have until at that point, February, the beginning of February to, to, you know, to be out of here. So at that point you're scrambling, um, went to a, a larger, uh, another large bank, you know, no problem. Let them know what's going on. They kind of didn't understand what I was talking about. Didn't make sense to them. You know, I transitioned, been transitioning. You want to talk about stress. Um, just trying to transition everything over there it was it was it was very stressful and and I don't get stressed so I I did transition over there um, they it, what another interesting piece is that during the transition process if you have one dollar or a million dollars it doesn't matter and you need to take it out of a bank account and put it into other bank account and I said to them how at the local branch to my banker how do I get the, what's the best way to get my money to the new bank. It's my money. They're not freezing it. Everything's legal. Um, he said, well, you know, you can transfer it. No problem. I make a transfer. And after I make a transfer, um, you know, I mean, can we talk dollar amounts or not? Do you not want me to discuss yeah. that? Okay. Uh, you, so you're, you're uh, welcome to talk dollars. Okay. Um, I transferred $10,000 from my business checking account. You know, our money, mm-hmm. pay sales tax on it. Okay. To the new bank. Not a problem. And then I said, all right, well, cool. That works. So I got to get my money out of here. This is the easiest way. I have online banking. Let's do this. Uh, the next day I go back in there and they said, oh, you've reached your daily limit. You have to wait another month. Okay. We're, we're okay. Okay. Not a problem. So <clears throat> I said, all right, let's go old school. I'll just write a business check to a new business account that goes in there. Then I said, the banker had told me, he said, just wire. I've never wired anything. I, I'm, I'm not a wire money guy. I don't, I don't, I'm not very familiar with that. You know, maybe when I bought a house years ago, you know, you wire some money sure. because that's the way they have to do the transaction. So I said, okay, no problem. Let me, tour, let me just, I've never done this wire. I go on my online banking, I sign on. I still have online access at this point. A couple of weeks later, I go in there, I go to make a $25,000 wire, pay a $30 charge. They verify me via email and text. No problem. It's me. I get it fraud. You know, it's my money. Of course, make sure. It's um, the one sure. wiring the money. So I go to do that. It says it'll be in your account in 24 hours. Uh, the next day I go to sign in my online banking. I want to just see, okay, let me see if my $25,000 wire and the $30 charge, uh, it went through. Your account, I can't sign in. Go to the Wells Fargo website. I go there. You have to maybe some security questions. I still can't get in. I call them up. They said, sir, there's a hard freeze on your account. Why? <laughs> They said, well, the wire could have been fraud. And I said, I'm the business owner. I did the wire. You send me all the verifications. I don't understand. So as I believe as media, media started to pick up on this, on this story that we're talking about um, last week or so, it's starting to really move along as to what they did to me, uh, to my business and me personally. Um, they just, the, you know, the, the PIO had made a statement from Wells Fargo, which is out there about me and my business and um yeah all my accounts i went into the branch and i said okay we'll have to go let's close the accounts and i'll have to get cashier's checks and when i went in there and spoke with my branch manager over there she was going back and forth i said well i need online access i have a small credit line i have to pay and she was arguing with them they're like nope that he can't have any access to anything so they completely just shut me down so so not not only are they telling you 
we're closing your accounts and giving you basically 30 days in order to make your final arrangements. But when you go to make those final arrangements to move all your money, they're mm-hmm. now seizing mm-hmm. all of your assets, your, your, your liquid currency that you have there. You have no access to get this wired where, I, I, they, where it needs to be. Well, I, they didn't, they didn't, my money was still good because it's my money, but they didn't right. give me any online access. And then they, you basically have to make a, a branch appointment. But when I spoke with the branch manager, she was arguing with her own Wells Fargo people saying he needs online access to pay the balance on a credit line over you know the, the amount of time he wants to pay it. And they're like, nope, no online access. So they shut me down. It came, I believe it came from the top of Wells Fargo because it's a media yeah. thing at this point, which is going to get bigger and bigger. So but I want to be the voice. I want to be the voice of this because I was I was discriminated upon. Um, that's how I feel personally that I was discriminated upon because of the the industry that I am in. And we run a extremely legal business. So I want to just clarify for my listeners, a few things that you might've heard and then ask a couple Mm -hmm. follow-up questions. First, uh, you heard Brandon refer to the NSSF. That is the National Shooting Sports Foundation, uh, Mm -hmm. part of the Firearm uh, Industry Trade Association. And they currently have uh, different bills that they're trying to help put in place to to stop this. And we're going to cover that in the second half. Um, But Brandon, you're not a stranger to the headlines. Uh, so when I was researching you in the story, I, I found out that during the coronavirus pandemic, um, you, like many other gun shop owners, uh, made a decision to try to stay open. Now, here in the state where I'm broadcasting from Delaware, it was unsuccessful. They sent people to close down the gun stores, but they made the point of your Second Amendment is every bit as important as being able to go to the liquor store because it's part of the amendments. And we had a very unconstitutional shutdown. Now you chose to keep your doors open and you fought back and they came back kind of with their tails between their legs. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Uh, I can, I can lay that story out. I re- I remember that pretty much as clear as yesterday. Um, coronavirus, COVID that hits, you know, I, I, my analogy is to like a big hurricane down here. Everyone needs water. Everyone needs toilet paper. Everyone needs food, you know, and people want to protect themselves. They are scared. You know, I, I made a quote. I said, if this thing goes sideways, if something, you know, happens, people, not only do they need the, the basic, um, creature comforts of the food, the toilet paper and everything in their home, but they, they want to have a firearm. To God forbid, God forbid to protect protect themselves or their family. No one knew what was going on. So we saw a, a, a an enormous uptick in business, and we're not strangers to this business. My father started in 1979, and then we ended up moving it down here. My father passed uh, about six years ago, so it was just me in the business at that point in time. And we have a we have a huge uh, uptick in business. People are buying firearms. They're doing background checks. If you don't have a concealed carry weapons license, you have to wait five business days to pick up your firearm by law. So city of Delray, this is, I I can't, I don't know the exact date that they came in. I am also a professional fireman. I'm not going to mention the department I work for, but it's a very large department. One of the biggest in March. They came in on March 24th. Okay. So March 24th, they came in on March 25th. I'm going, we work 24 hour shifts. So I'm going to be on duty at fire rescue. They come in on March 24th, um, city of Delray beach code enforcement. Um, 
I know the people, I know the police officers, they come to the shop, they're great people, they're great people. And they said, hey, we really don't want to do this, but you guys aren't essential, essential and you have to close down. I'm a very laid back person. I don't get worked up about anything. And I said, sure. well, unfortunately, I can't close down because I'm violating people's constitutional rights, Second Amendment rights. These people want firearms. I have to be able to deliver. They pay for them. I can't just close down. But they may they may be at your shop waiting for that window to to close. Correct. Right. I mean, I'm just telling. Oh no, you're sorry. They the city said we're we're closed down. So um, immediately was in contact with the NSSF, who is amazing, which we you know we'll talk about later. Like you said, uh, Mark Oliva is a big name in the the NSSF, and he. They did their thing, and I was on duty next day at fire rescue for 24 hours. Um, I received the call. Uh, I believe they were in touch with the with the governor's office, and they said it's not a problem. Don't don't close. So uh, they now my my guys in the shop that work in my shop said that the code enforcement came back in with their tails between their legs, but they're nice people. So I'm not saying like I, I have no issues with any any of them. Um, I just said, I, I can't close down because I can't do that to my customers that are coming in here to buy firearms. And he said, Oh no, you're, you're good. You're essential. So you just stay is flip, flip of a coin. No, you're good. So yeah, from that point on, we were <laughs> essential and I, you know, we, look, I didn't take advantage of it. We did back then the, 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 social distancing guidelines. I remember, sure. you know, we had a little, we had a little ticket machine outside the cop, the, the shop, like you're going to get up yeah, no, depending on what, I had, you know, yeah, I had, uh, I had Ian Smith who was from Attila's gym in New Jersey, who governor Murphy was trying to shut down and everybody makes it sound like, mm -hmm. Oh, they were trying to open this gym and keep it open. But he put in some of the most restrictive guidelines for people's health that just because people yeah. wanted to stay open had nothing to do with that. The reason I wanted to tell this story here in the first half is because I think for listeners, this is the first part where, you know, Wex Gunworks might have a higher profile for those looking to target them because of your actions in 2020. In I believe shaking things I up. believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so look, and I didn't, I didn't ask for the media. It, it came to me, you know, absolutely. And, of course it will. <laughs> uh, you, you know what? And guess what? I'm an honest, friendly person. And why would I have nothing to hide? You know, I, I, I had to tell the story and yes, it did. It did. The story got significantly, well, it got pretty large and we had both sides of the political realm were involved in the story left and right. So, and I spoke with a lot of left-sided and there were great, there were great interviews. I got to be honest with you. They were. Well, um, we're going to get so. into we're going to get into the Firearm Industry Non-Discrimination Act in the second half here. We got to take a quick break. Uh, when we get into that, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about Operation Choke Point, some research that I, as I was doing this story, I, I spoke with another FFL who's been very prominent and has had issues with the banks as well. Kind of go through that with uh, listeners and with Brandon. Uh, we got to get to our sponsors. You know, that's what makes this show so uh, great that we can find such great talent and continue to go out and do this every day. You go to americaoutloud.com. You can find many sponsors. The one that really helps my show, uh, Genesis Fogger HOCL. This thing's awesome. It's a fogger that you can uh, fire up. It kills all the germs and viruses in the room, including the coronavirus. It's great for my 
classroom as well as for my home has helped keep me healthy throughout the entire thing and help keep you healthy too. Go to genesisfogger.com backslash out loud. You'll get a discount just for listening to my show and using that today. We'll be right back after this break, everybody. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Brandon Wexler, here on the America Out Loud Network. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine, and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, Bold Americans. We have been talking with Brandon Wexler, gentleman who owns Wex Gunworks in Delray, Florida. And he has found that Wells Fargo decided to just end all of his banking without any notice until he walked into a branch and has made his life uh, very difficult. And it looks like they targeted the Second Amendment because he has one of the more prominent gun shops. It's been in business for many years. We're going to get into that in a few. Uh, but I want to talk about the NSSF. Now, the NSSF has been trying to go back against Operation Choke Point, which I talked about at the beginning of the show. For, for my listeners, the Obama administration in 2013 created this initiative, and that's what it was called, Operation Choke Point. And it was an effort of the FDIC, which is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and the DOJ, the Department of Justice, to stop financial institutions from offering services to some regulated industries. And this was an attempt to choke off the banking services. The goal of that operation was to coerce our banks, third-party payment processors, and other financial institutions into closing or denying business accounts of clients that the FDIC has classified 
as high risk or as a reputational risk for the financial institution. Now, the FDIC included federally licensed firearm retailers and other companies in that firearm and uh, ammunition industry. And these are some of the most heavily regulated businesses in the country. And they put this on the list of risky businesses without any evidence or justification of what they were doing. Uh, so due to that deliberate act uh, as part of the administration, there are many banks that have been ending relationships with FFLs. I cannot identify the uh, FFL that I spoke with last night in preparation for my interview today, but he did share with me. He said that he had TD Bank uh, end his relationship after 21 years and uh, Commerce Bank, which he had 11 accounts and credit card processing. He also happened with PNC. He eventually wound up back with uh, TD and they ended his account in the exact same way that Brandon's account was ended just a few weeks ago. Why would this happen? Well, I started to look into this deeper, and I told Brandon at our kind of pre-interview before today's show that back November 21st, 2022, just two months ago, Joe Biden's administration tapped back in the Operation Choke Point to lead the FDIC. That's a choke point veteran that is leading now that entire uh, whole thing that we thought was behind us. And here we have Brandon without his funds in Wells Fargo and the Second Amendment being attacked. If you don't think the Biden administration is coming for your Second Amendment rights, uh, you better start paying attention because this was Obama and Biden. This wasn't happening under Trump. So, Brandon, let's start here. How long have you been in the FFL firearms industry? It started with your father, correct? Yes. So my father, I'm originally from, from Philadelphia or the, the suburbs of Philadelphia. My parents were raised in the, born and raised in the city in 1979. Uh, let me back up as, as a kid, I used to go shooting every Sunday with my father, outdoor, indoor range. You know, we go to the, the Philly diner the, in the suburbs, we'd have breakfast. It was just a, a weekly thing. So he decided for his passion for firearms in 1979 to open up what was called Conchahawken Gunworks. That was, that's when it all started. So I was a young kid. Okay. Uh, I am, I just turned 53 and, you know, he started getting in the business. So, so as a kid, uh, I was around the business. I was taught the business. I was taught the safety, safety and training as paramount. That's what our business is all about. That's how it started back in 1979. So fast forward, he ends up, selling the business, moving down to Florida. Uh, and I was not here at that point in time. Uh, I was working in the, in the Wall Street industry post-college. Post and post-September 11th, a uh, big firm got sold. I decided to come down here. Uh, was also a volunteer fireman up there. And I said, I want to be a professional fireman. Post-September 11th, that inspired me. Uh, long story short, I am a professional fireman for 16 years at this point. So... I had said to my dad, his health was kind of on and off. So in 2008, I started talking to him about it. I said, why don't we get back in the gun business, you and I? So long story short, we did. And we, you know, we, we set up our business uh, end of 2008, beginning of 2009 in Delray Beach, Florida. And, you know, this, this business has been, we're in our 14th year in Delray Beach, Florida, and we've, we've established ourselves as a, you know, a reputable dealer, um, in, in, in South Florida, but yeah, the business so, we're talking the seventies is when we got in it. 
And so your father and you are uh, well uh, versed in the regulatory measures to maintain a safe FFL license and gun, sh- gun shop is what I wanted just to establish for my listeners. Absolutely. There's no, there's no deviation in, in, of the laws. You have to follow everything. Yep. Yes. And so when Wells Fargo, you know, they, they released a statement uh, to a couple other media outlets. They did not speak with me yet because uh, I'm kind of researching this one over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So I have to wait till to speak with them, but I'll certainly try to get another statement. But from what it sounds like, they, they used this as they felt that you were of high risk or mm-hmm. what they didn't state was a reputational risk. So this matches Operation Choke Point. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Can can I touch base on that comment from, from Wells Fargo? I, yeah, let me let me follow up with one extra point. And okay, let you, sure, sure, sure. Let you talk about this. So what I'm trying to point out to listeners is if somebody selling firearms, which is one of your protected rights under the constitution is considered a reputational risk, then this is a direct attack of your second amendment. That if a bank is making a decision, they are violating your constitutional rights. And this gets into kind of like what type of, uh, what type of rights does a bank have to violate? Like, can they take away your freedom of speech? Can they take away uh, search and seizure rights? I don't believe so. So how can they take away Second Amendment? So Brandon, I'm curious, as you're thinking about this uh, reputational risk, what have you talked to Wells Fargo about? Let's tell us the story. Well, you know, as I had mentioned earlier, they said it was a business decision and that's all they told me. But now as media picked up and media wanted, wanted reasons, why did this happen to Wex Gunworks and my personal accounts? They said it was... Now I have the letter from Wells Fargo says saying that they do not lend to certain types of industry on a Wells Fargo letterhead. I mean, it's from them. I can't make this up. And there's other letters as far as the business decision go. They never said I was a risk. What I'm trying to figure out is how am I a risk? There is, I don't have any risk. Uh, I have a business account that merchant services goes in and out. We have cash that comes into the business that we collect sales tax and pay sales tax. I have to deposit that so I can pay my bills and pay my sales tax. So I've never wired any money. Um, I pay myself small salary. Uh, so I don't, I can't, and Wells Fargo, I didn't realize that I was a risk personal. I don't know how I am a risk because we've never done anything wrong. We've never been told we've done anything wrong. So I don't believe that I'm the risk. I think it's a scapegoat that the, the going back to the operation choke point and the industry is a risk. So we can just quietly just push you off, get out of here. We're done with you. And, I, and I'm speaking about it because I believe America needs to, to know you know, maybe I could have just been quiet and not said a word, but I've done nothing wrong. So I transact business and my personal life very normally. There's nothing crazy going on. So, right. and, you know, it, I, I did my research on you. I know that you're an upstanding fire uh, fighter, have been for years, uh, well respected in the community. Um, and so, just because my listeners deserve to hear it directly from you, have you ever been arrested? Are there any charges against you? Is there anything criminal, anything that the bank could point at uh, to come back with? No. And in another interview, uh, I've never been arrested. 
I've never bounced the check. I've never not paid a credit card. As a matter of fact, any balance I have, I don't even have a Wells Fargo credit cards. I use Chase for my credit cards for years because you get you get cash back, your points. A lot of people like that. So yep. uh, I have two credit credit cards, one business one, and one with my with my ex wife, who we get we do get along, and we have a child. Um, I pay the statement balance on time. I've never bounced a check. I've never been arrested. Um, maybe I've gotten you know the old the old uh, meter that is, that has ran out on a on a you know you park in a spot <laughs> and it's ran sure, out. I know. I'm, look, look, I'm, I'm look. No, I'm, I know. I'm just, I'm just being, I'm being open, open and out front here. Um, you know, if if Wells Fargo shut my accounts down because I've got a uh, a meter ticket, I don't even think I've gotten speeding tickets because I'm a fireman, so I I drive safe right. because I see too many car accidents. So, you know, I really dug into this and took it personally when they made the comment. I believe it was from their PIO that that I'm the risk. How am I, I risk? I, I want- yeah, I, I want to tell you what I think's going. I want to tell you what I think's going on. So I've been covering on my show for about the past three months about the upcoming digital currency switchover, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know how familiar you are with what the Federal Reserve is currently doing. Uh, I but I, I, I've been speaking about the Citigroup, HSBC, uh, BK, which is BNY Mellon Bank, mm-hmm. Wells Fargo, as well as uh, Mastercard. They are all working with the Federal Reserve on putting in the social credit score uh, digital currency. Now, the fact that Wells Fargo is tied to this, when we talk about reputational risk, right? This is the thing that everybody with the uh, CBDCs have been worried about. Because once you get rid of fiat money, once you go strictly digital, they can track every single purchase. They know who's making the purchase with what credit card. And that's kind of like uh, what some people have been worried about with credit card companies and FFLs to begin with. And the reason why people may use personal checks is they're finding that that's less trackable, right? Because we're finding now that credit card companies were keeping lists of who was purchasing a firearm. And they're even shutting off the public's ability to buy a firearm with a MasterCard. They try to correct. So what I think is going on when they talk about this reputational risk, this is nothing more than some woke company BS where they're saying we don't want to be seen as part of the firearms industry. This is no different than when I have lefty Lehman on my show, my my communist left-leaning guest who tells (laughs) me that, you know, firearms are completely disgusting in the hands of children of families that hunt and have no basis there. This is woke culture at its worst. It's a violation of the second amendment. And I'm curious, you know, if there's any lawyers that are listening to this show right now, attorney Tom Renz, you're on our network. Uh, If you'd like to take up this case, the fight, the banks, this sounds like something that is uh, worthwhile fighting. In fact, the NSSF has already responded to it. They have introduced what's called the find act. Now the find act is the firearm industry, non-discrimination act. And it was a response to the targets against their members of the firearm and ammunition industry. And they launched this initiative to end the unjustified discrimination against law-abiding companies, such as Brandon Wexler. Efforts to prevent service providers, such as banks and payment processors, from refusing to work with firearm and ammunition businesses have culminated in the Firearm Industry Non-Discrimination Act. In the coming legislative sessions, the industry will tell its story to lawmakers to show that numerous obstacles of a legal, federally licensed business faces an attempt to obtain necessary services. Brandon, 
I think that you also should be included in those legislative sessions. I think that they should be drawing on you this fresh new story in order to get you up to Washington, D.C. with this new Republican-controlled Congress to make sure that your voice is being heard because this this choke point, it's back in full effect and it's only going to get worse with digital currency. Yeah, you're you're talking. It happened to a you know a, a normal, honest person, um, you know, working for a large fire rescue organization. You, you there's there's you you can't do anything wrong, or you won't have a job. You know, I've been there. I'm in my going to my sixteenth year, so it's you know someone. I, I, I'm actually shocked that maybe when when media picks up steam and you'd prep it, you'd mention an attorney. Um, I'm kind of surprised, and I really don't know where to begin as far as you know, I'm not actively seeking an attorney, but I'm, I'm surprised that attorneys haven't, maybe they will reach out to me at some point. Um, the discrimination, you know, they have to give me, give a reason why, not that I want to go back to Wells Fargo, but you know, where they're, they're claiming, um, you know, isn't it really, aren't they, isn't, isn't it defamation saying I'm a risk? Oh, absolutely. And putting your name out right. there on, uh, right. on that's other not, that, different places. Yeah. Without, I, I mean, absolutely. There, it's defamation. Um, well, I'm not a risk. I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I would love to know how I am a risk that it It. I take it personal because I've always done everything. The honest, you know, have honesty, integrity done done everything the right way. So yeah, like you said, if, if any attorneys are listening out there, I'd love, love to speak with you. Cause I, I don't get it. It makes no sense what was done, you know, to me and my business, you know, I mean, I'm a father, I have a, I have a 12 year old daughter, you know, I, I'm a good dad. I do everything the right way. Even for my ex-wife, you know, we get along, I do everything right for her. So yeah, I, I take it personal, this, this whole thing. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that, you know, my voice can be heard, uh, you know, with this, with this nonsense that's going on. Yeah, I mean, the, the New York Times is even uh, kind of not on your story, but they've talked about this in the past, talked about how banks could control gun sales if Washington, D.C. won't. I mean, why are banks, why are credit card companies like Visa, MasterCard, American Express, why are the card processors like First Data, why are the banks like Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase, why are they supposed to be the ones to set the new rules for sales of guns in America? Who elected any of our banks as head of this? They don't say they're just trying to, you know, weed out. Yeah, they're trying to do anything. Look, it really comes, you know what it comes down to? There's a gun control push um, with the current administration. And I, I, I don't quite know because we do everything legally. You have to do a background check. You have to get approved. If you have a concealed carry weapons license, you can leave with a firearm. If not, you wait five business days. It, it's a strict right. check. Either you're approved or not approved or there's a pending decision. And there's no, there's no deviation. Like we, that, that, that's how it works. So I believe that the current administration with the, with the gun control push, I'm not quite sure what they're trying to get done, but they, they can't get anything done. So I, I, I had mentioned this on an interview um, on TV that I believe it's backdoor tactics, you know, mm-hmm. you, well, it is. you, it's, it's, it's you, right there in front. They're not hiding it. No, it's it, but it's backdoor tactics. You can transact. You do not have a business. That's it. Any business, whether you're selling bread, toothbrushes, you know, um, any business, you can't transact. You can't pay your bills. You don't have a business. You're done. So I call it backdoor tactics. 
you know, maybe, maybe you and I should write a book called Backdoor Tactics. What do you think? There we go. Just got to find the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which we don't have any. I agree with you. Sorry. Yeah, that, I'm just, that's, that's, I'm just, I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent. That's just how, that's how I feel. You know, that's how I feel. It's just, it's, it's, it's unfair. Um, you know, what, what is, what they're doing as far as people transacting, you know, people are, people earn money, you know, going back to buying a firearm or buying anything you want in this world, you go out, you work, you provide for your family or for yourself. You work hard, you earn money. You should be able to buy anything with your hard earned dollars that you want because you're paying taxes on them, you know, uh, whether it's sales tax or income tax, we all pay taxes. We earn money. We should be able to buy what we want. It's America, right? right. So. Yeah. I mean, it should be a, a basic right. If you have the currency, you should be able to buy what you want. Like, so yeah, you can spend your money. Yeah. Yes. For my listeners, the kind of action plan that we can do here to help support Brandon and uh, the firearms industry all around. Uh, so first, we're going to learn a new name together today, Martin J. Grunberg. Now, in case you're curious who Martin J. Grunberg is, he is the uh, Operation Choke Point Lackey that Biden has uh, brought back to lead the FDIC. So he was in charge back in 2013 underneath Obama, and now underneath Biden, as of November 2022, he's at the FDIC, which was part of that guidance for high-risk merchants uh, to have this type of practice. That's that's the first thing you should be aware of. We need to make sure we understand the names that are at play. The second thing we should be aware of is there's really no bank that's immune to this, which is why on my show, I often talk about credit unions. You know, Find your local credit unions. Not to say that they're not going to do the exact same discrimination. Uh, but credit unions are a great way to break away from that corporate cycle. We have Democrats, uh, Diane Feinstein and Brian Schatz, who sent letters to national banks that applauded at the time Bank of America and Citigroup and urging other banks to do the same type of practice of Operation Choke Point. And they stated in there that if the banks wanted to be on the good side of the politicians who regulate their industry, that basically they didn't put this exact words, discriminating against customers those politicians don't like is a good way to do it. <laughs> so we're seeing that with Brandon. Brandon, I, I'm glad that your business didn't get shut down because of this. I'm glad that you're still able to, to operate, that you're able to find another bank. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm also glad to get to tell the story for you across the country on the show today. Um, what, what's, uh, what's next for you? Do you got uh, any other uh, things coming up where you're going to be able to get this out? I'm going to try to get this obviously to a couple different places, but uh, what's your plan uh, of action? Are you? Um, I, you know, I, I would love, you know, to possibly talk with an attorney to see my rights as to what's going on, okay. but I'm not, I really don't know where to begin with that. To be honest with you, I haven't done anything, but I, more importantly, I would, I would love for the, the country to, um, to know about what's going on, which obviously via media, it, you know, it's starting to pick up here. Um, I had, I had mentioned to you a name, uh, the other day of a gentleman that texted mm -hmm. me, uh, I'm going to have an interview with him. I don't know if we want to say that out loud or not. Um, cause it's going to be on Wednesday. Um, you, you recall that? I mean, I know. I don't know. You have an Brandon's got an award-winning journalist who's very well respected that will be telling this story nationally on Wednesday, which is wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I this this award-winning journalist texted me. I don't know him. Out of the blue, just texted my number yesterday, and 
uh, you and I had texted you and told you about this. So that was kind of weird. And I, I think that how I feel that with the, with the media focus and this, this one award-winning journalist that it's going to possibly go to a higher level um, mm-hmm. to another award-winning journalist or someone that's very, very uh, vocal on, on a big network on TV. So we'll see where it takes us, but I, I have no problem um, telling my honest story, uh, you know, as to, as to what's going on. I just think people, people need, need to know. So as far, as far as I'm concerned, where I'm going, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a professional fireman um, and uh, I'm a father and I have a business. I have employees that I have to make sure that they can put, put food on the table for, for their families as well. Um, just run an honest business like I I've, I've normally have. I have two full-time jobs, actually three because I have a daughter. So, uh, yep. you know, nothing, just business as usual um, and, and hope that this never happens again. As, as far as you know, a bank goes, um, there are banks out there. I was I was reached by I'm going to say the name Old Glory Bank. They just set it up, and one of the, the big guys out of nowhere again, just like this award winning journalist, just called my phone and said he wanted to thank me for speaking out loud about this issue, and he can't believe in their bank is being you know um, made for their a Second Amendment uh, pro pro veteran you know military first responders and you know. The woke America thing—they're—they're they're against it, and that's why they're forming. So I think there's going to be more banks in the future that will will stand for you know people's rights yeah, and very important. So I, I want to give Old Glory Bank Old Glory Bank a shout out too as well. That's a yeah. it's a bank that believes in uh, kind of America first principles: freedom, privacy, security, life, and liberty. Um, if that is an option for you and you have Wells Fargo, maybe today's the opportunity to look into old glory bank and moving your money over there and helping to stand united against this, um, this tyranny of the second amendment, Brandon, I appreciate you coming on to the show today. Um, if anybody wants to, uh, reach out to you, do you have an, uh, an email or your website for your, your gun shop? What's best for them to get in touch? Um, they can email sales S A L E S at Wex gunworks, W E X G U N W O R K S.com. We do have a website. Uh, I'd like to mention, we did have a sizable Instagram account that, um, they disabled us once I posted the Wells Fargo, um, article from not for me I, I copied it and put it out there and my instagram account that i worked on for seven years wex gun works was completely disabled seven years worth of organic that work. was that was after wells fargo correct i posted the wells fargo um uh story from that a journalist i just copied it and posted it as a post uh posted one other firearm and my account was completely disabled they they were disabling they were suspending my account for 24 hours at a time until verification i got and i got from meta that six times that it was a mistake they put my account back up and the final draw was when i put the wells fargo out article out on my instagram account and my account of just about seven six seven years was completely disabled um i got i had a sizable amount of followers i was you know I was, I'm very tied in with the UFC, you know, other big figures, six hour, you know, the the big guys out there. So they completely shut my, my communication down on Instagram and they wouldn't even let me, I don't even have any form to fill out like, Hey, help me out. So my old account was Wex Gunworks. I just created a new 
Instagram account, literally brand new. So it's like starting all, all over. It's Wex Gunworks Delray Beach, all one word. So I don't know if you guys out there, I'll, I'm going to start posting on that. And I don't know if they'll disable that one, but I'm, I'm just going to go back to just doing my little pictures of firearms, nothing crazy, not shooting them or anything. So if anybody wants to follow uh, our new one, Wex Gunworks Delray Beach, our old one, we had a lot of followers that's gone. Or if anyone can possibly get our old one, Wex Gunworks back up. If anyone's listening out there, that'd be nice as well. But yeah, I mean, that's how we communicated. Um, I, I, I just set up a Twitter account. I'm not, I'm not a Twitter guy, but I'm trying to figure it out. I just set up an account. So um, it stinks because we'll I, sure. I communicated. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah, make sure your Twitter account gets out there too. We got a lot of uh, America freedom lovers, constitutional lovers that listen to the show, and we'll get you your Twitter following. Uh, so my yeah, well, listeners, yeah, can... yeah, Twitter. It's yeah, just ahead. Wex Gunworks. I just, I, I mean, I literally just set up. I am, I apologize. So work with me on Twitter. I'm very tech savvy, but I, I have no idea how to use Twitter. It's just Wex Gunworks on Twitter. So, uh, you know, maybe so, uh, so don't feel bad. Help I, me out. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I got uh, signed to the America Out Loud Network, I didn't have Twitter either, and I'm still learning the entire process. But what's really nice about it is you don't need to have followers for your reach. So I have about a little over a thousand followers, but I have episodes that have been shared out 178,000 times, um, and then that gets exponential growth. So. It's really about the exponential growth on Twitter. So don't worry, you'll get it. You'll figure it out, but we'll, we'll get you some followers from this show today. Yeah, I appreciate it. So my it. listeners, please go Wex Gunworks, give Brandon a follow, give the Instagram page a follow. That censorship is real. I've been telling you about it almost yeah. weekly on this show. And here we are, we have it. Brandon, we got to draw to a close day. I appreciate you being a part of it. I wish you luck with everything going on. Thanks, and uh, We can touch base you. back and see how things appreciate you as well. Yeah. Yeah, anytime, anytime when you want to talk, I'm here. I did. That was good, uh, good chat. Excellent. Well, everybody, that wraps up another episode. We hope that we honored your time well. Maybe give you some thoughts about what banking you're doing right now. Maybe if you have Wells Fargo, you're looking at Old Glory Bank or somebody else that's going to maintain some freedom to your rights. Uh, we'll continue on the conversation throughout the rest of the week, covering the headlines that you guys want to hear about and taking the filter off. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America.